I want to talk this morning about some things about the kingdom of God, and I'm probably not going to be able to finish and get where I want to get with this, but maybe we'll continue next week. But in John 3, we're all familiar with the portion of Scripture where Nicodemus comes to Jesus and he says that uh, unless a man is born again or born from above, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And you'll see this word see throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, especially the New Testament relating to the kingdom. And then in John 3, 5, he says, unless a man or a woman, a person is born again, he cannot enter. So you have this word. And then Jesus and others in the Bible, in, in, in the New Testament, they talk about inheritance or the kingdom was prepared for you to inherit before the world created. So you'll see these things, either the words or the thought in many scriptures. And so in John 3, 5, except the man is born from above, he cannot enter. So there is an area where the Lord must come to us and open our eyes. Uh, and it's amazing to me how many people do not see. Just recently, there was an individual, younger person I was around, and there was music on, and I noticed that every song that came on, this person was singing the words to them. But then several Christian songs come on, and there was total silence. It's like something they never heard before. They could not sing the songs of Zion. They knew nothing about that. And it wasn't so much that she could or could not sing it. It's that people are blind to the kingdom. And many times Christians who were born again, they begin, and it's amazing how much at first we do not see. So in the word here, you cannot see the kingdom, means you cannot perceive. You have no knowledge of certain things. You cannot comprehend. Have you ever tried to speak to someone who's not a Christian and try to bring certain things out and show them something in spirit, and they have no idea of what you're trying to say or what you're talking about because they're blinded. And uh, they cannot comprehend the kingdom of God. Then the word enter here, the word enter means to be, begin to experience. So once the Lord comes and you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, is the beginning point. Your eyes are opened, but see, we are very limited to what we can see. So the Lord will come and He will show us something, and in the beginning, he'll put something there for us to see, and he wants a heart response to him in that. And when we respond to the Lord there in that, whatever that may be, then something occurs where he may open our eyes to something else that's moving in the kingdom. And so it's a progressive thing. And we begin, we enter, and we begin to experience certain things. Now turn to John chapter 10. See, there must be a change within us. Except you be converted and become as a little child, you cannot enter. 
So the conversion there means a turning. There's a turning in our heart. We're going in one direction. Before I became a Christian, I was going, my whole life was going in one direction. And the Lord came and stood before me and through the gospel. And I had a decision to make. And once I made this decision, there was a turning. I was converted. And I began to see things I never saw before. And I began to enter this area that Jesus calls the kingdom realm, the kingdom area. And once we begin to, to move there, we will begin to experience things as we walk on with the Lord that we never saw before, we never knew before, we couldn't have comprehended before. Uh, we just didn't know these things existed. Uh, many people are so caught up with the world. Their view, even Christians, you know, they could, could tell you everything that's going on in Hollywood. They could tell you all the movies that are coming out. They could tell you everything about this, that, and the other thing. And that's what they're seeing. That's what they're focusing upon. But when it comes to the kingdom realm, the kingdom of God, when it comes to things operating in the spirit, it's like they, they don't know. There's no uh, attentiveness, attentiveness to God to want to know what is moving and operating in the realm of the spirit and in the kingdom. In John 10, verse 9, Jesus says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. So this is, and you've heard this before, this is an entrance here to salvation. Then when you go on in the verse, and will go in and out, that's the same Greek word meaning enter, and he shall enter, go in and out, and find pasture. Pasture is meaning feeding. Pasture is talking about growth. Pasture is talking about increase, development. So there is initially with all of us, we come to Jesus. We receive him as, as our, our Savior. Okay, we're birthed from above. We enter into this kingdom. Now, from that point, there is to be increase. There is to be development with you and I. There is to be feeding where we feed upon the Lord. We feed upon his word. And as we do that continually for a long period of time, we will find increase in our life. See, we are to be increasing not just in the knowledge of God, but there is to be an increase in your life of the certain characteristics of Jesus Christ. For example, how many here have patience? How many here lack patience? Maybe that's a better way to put it. Well, see, that's a characteristic of Christ that he wants to work into our lives. That's just one example. And... That one characteristic seen in Jesus is wonderful. How patient is the Lord with you? See, he's quite patient. He's quite patient with me over the years. He has been. And so these different things, see, are to increase in your heart and life. And so the, it's good to be born from above, to be born again, to receive Christ and to be saved and all that. That's good. But see, there must be a moving on to enter, to start to perceive and see things we never have seen, 
and to move into the kingdom to where we are moving in certain things in, spirit, in the spirit realm that we never experienced before and we never moved in before. So this is in the gospel. When you read, for example, the epistle of John, he's talking from a completely different area than initial salvation. He's talking from some area in the kingdom realm where he has handled and, and touched and seen and heard things in the kingdom, and he's trying to bring that out to those he's writing to, that they would you know, get a hold of that. They would, would see that there's something more there in the kingdom for them to have and to move in a way that they're directing their heart and life toward that, toward the Lord, so that there is this, this increase in a development in their heart and life that you know, was not there when they first came to him, came to the Lord. And so you see this, um, who said this? Paul. He says that we, through much tribulation, enter the kingdom. Now, when I first came to the Lord, there wasn't, uh, I can recall, any tribulation that I experienced in, you know, receiving Christ. But later on, as the Lord put certain things before me in His will to do or to move in, then the tribulation came, then the, the, the pressure came. And so, let's put it this way. Let's say your area of expertise is biology, and you have studied biology all your life, and that's what you know. You know it in and out. That's, that's where you are. Now, you, you um, have another area that comes to you, that, for example, computer science. All you know is biology. But now over here, there's computer science. That's a whole different area a whole different place that you know nothing about. So now you might know about biology, but now when it comes to computer science, you're at a lack. You don't know too much, if anything at all. And so it is in the kingdom, we may experience one area of the kingdom. So let, let me do this, just for the sake of illustration. And I even hate to do this, but we'll just do it anyway. Let's just say that this area here is the kingdom. Now, there's a lot contained in the kingdom. And so this area right here is the door. So this is Jesus. You enter in here. You're entering into the kingdom. Now, when we first come into the kingdom, we are seeing one small aspect, one small area Right beyond the door is all we're seeing. We're seeing what, what is around us. You know, we think we know what's going on. We think we, we see everything. You know, oh, the Lord has opened my eyes, and I can see this. And, you know, oh, I see this in the Bible about angels. And all we're seeing is this one teeny little area. And so we get to know what's going on here. So as I said, the biology. So now there's something else over here. It's computer science. We know nothing about that. So the Lord is going to take us from one area in this, in this kingdom realm. He's going to take us from one place to another. And he's going to show us and reveal to us things about the kingdom. So that we can walk with him 
and come into more of the salvation of God that we have experienced to this point. So to inherit, as I said before, means to receive a portion, to receive a portion. Turn to Galatians. The Lord has prepared the kingdom for you, for you, from before the foundation of the world, Paul says. Now, in Galatians chapter 5, and Paul says this also, something very similar in Corinthians. Now, we divide things. Whenever we read the Bible, Christians read the Bible, what they take to the Scriptures is what they know. And so, in the beginning, and maybe not even with some Christians, maybe they've been Christians a long time and do the same thing. Everything in the Bible is saved or unsaved. That's how they relate to everything. And what people do is they take what they know and their understanding of something, and when they read the Scriptures, they take the Scripture and they try to fit that into their understanding rather than allowing the Lord to teach them and show them what is contained in the Scripture, putting what they know aside and allowing the Lord to teach them. So when they read certain things about the kingdom, what they're thinking is heaven right away. Everything related to the kingdom is heaven, 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 heaven. Now, heaven is a part of the kingdom of God, but the kingdom of God is much larger and more vast than heaven. Now, he says here, he talks about walking in the Spirit, he talks about the fruit of the Spirit, and then he talks about the works of the flesh. Now, in verse 19, and we'll read this and then I'll come back to it in a minute. In verse 19, Now, the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousy. Let me ask you a question. Can a Christian have jealousy in their heart? Can a Christian have adultery in their heart? Can a Christian have, as it says, a wrath, outburst of wrath, self-ambitions? Can a Christian have self-ambitions? See, so... Christians will read this, and they'll say the fruit of the Spirit. All this is talking about the Christian. But now when he's talking about all this other stuff, that's talking about the unsaved. No, it's not. It doesn't, it doesn't say any such thing here about saved or unsaved. So if a person, any person, a Christian included, has these things in them, hatred, and, and they're not allowing the Lord to deal with that, or idolatry, or adultery, or self-ambition, selfish ambition. If that is there in their heart, they cannot inherit some of the things that are here in the kingdom area because the Lord must take these things out of their heart. They, They must... Now, I understand that many times it's a process, But yet the heart has to be willing for the Lord to deal with them and to to take certain things out of their heart. So if if my or your ambition is a selfish ambition, 
you know, let's say you want to be rich and you're going after that all out. You're a Christian. You're going after it to be rich. That's, that's your focus. If you're focused upon that, then you cannot be focused upon the kingdom. You can't. That's why Jesus says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these other things will be added to you. You don't have to worry about that. You'll have an increase in your life. Not necessarily in the physical realm, but in the spiritual realm. There will be an increase in your life. So if these things here, if the works of the flesh, and there are Christians, and you may know some of them, who you can actually see the works of the flesh, to some degree, operating in their life. See, now, if that's the case, then what they can inherit is limited. Is limited. Because there is not a seeking first the kingdom. There is not a set in their heart, a mindset or a heart set, to obtain different things here in this kingdom realm. Not just an understanding of one area, but that the Lord would take something here and bring you into it so that now it becomes a part of you, something that was never there before. The righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. You go from faith to faith, and He reveals your right, His righteousness to you, and in the process... He is doing something inside of your heart and your life that has never been done before. And so you progress. See, it's not about just receiving Christ. Now you're saved, you're going to heaven, and I'll do my duty going to church or reading my Bible or praying or, or whatever. It's not about that. There is to be a continual progression in our life in the kingdom realm. If we are going to obtain what the Lord wants us to obtain to in this life, and whenever this life is over, to take with us in here what the Lord has desired for us to take, there must be a progression in the kingdom area in your life, you and I. But here he says, in, in Galatians, he says, the, those who do, verse 21, that those who do or practice such things will not in, inherit the kingdom of God. He's not talking about whether the person's saved or not. He's talking about inheriting. See, a person can be saved and still not inherit certain things. They won't come into certain things. They won't, it won't be theirs because they haven't uh, progressed and met certain conditions by which the inheritance would become theirs. Now, the kingdom has various aspects. One of them is, and you see this in the Old Testament, and you see this in the New Testament, uh, one of the aspects is a future aspect, and I'll quote a scripture, this is from Timothy, who will judge, speaking of Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. So he's talking about this judgment that is going to be future, related to the kingdom. It's, it's going to be a future thing. And then the kingdom, another aspect is 
a present aspect, and this is seen in various scriptures. One of them is Colossians. And he has, has delivered us from the powers of darkness and conveyed or translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. That is present tense, presently. He has done that presently. I shouldn't say present tense, but it's presently he has done that in your life. He has taken us from darkness and translated into us into the kingdom of his dear son. Now, if you're thinking the kingdom is heaven, that's not it. So you're still here. You're not in heaven. He has translated you into another area. You were birthed from this area out here where you did not know the Lord. Uh, you did not have a relationship with him. You were translated into his kingdom, the kingdom of his dear son. So now you're over here. And this is going to be the place that you will experience salvation. And when I say and use the word salvation, I'm not talking about initial salvation. I'm talking about the salvation that you see throughout the Bible where it is a broad thing and he brings you into areas of salvation that you did not experience before. For example... Let's say you were always a person that had a problem with anger. You had anger issues. And any little thing sets you off, and you just, boom, you go crazy. Now, I've known people like that. I've worked with people like that. So that was an issue before you came to the Lord. So now you're brought into this other realm here. And the Lord knows what's in the heart, and so he starts to deal with you in that, that particular area, whatever, however he does that. And in the process of time, that anger is no longer there. It's totally gone. You don't even know how it happened, but now that which has, has always been in you since a child, by some work of God, by His Spirit, that is no longer in your life. It's gone. It's there, not there. It's totally out of the picture. So He has translated you into the kingdom of His Son, and now you are experiencing things you never experienced before. Now, when, after I was a Christian for a while, there were certain things that I would say they were things I had no power over. It was ingrained in me, no power over it. And the Lord showed me that it was sin, but I had no power to change it. All I had was the desire for the Lord to change me, a desire for the Lord to somehow remove that which was in my life from a little boy. And as I continued on, I remember... At one point, that thing was, was gone. I didn't even know it was gone until a circumstance came and I found out it was no longer there. So that is another area. You see, that's the salvation of God. You are saved, but when you get over here now, He's going to deal with your heart and your life and He's going to take things out of you because you are 
seeking first the kingdom of God because you want to move into other areas here. You want to know Him more. You want to see more. You want Him to put more of His character and all that He can into your heart and life. And in the process, He's able to take things out that were always problems. They were always there, and they're gone. There goes the anger. There goes the lust. You know, there goes this thing. And it's, it's, it's wonderful, and you're, you're experiencing the broader salvation. Now, in the kingdom area, this is where the salvation of God is. It's, it's contained in the kingdom area. So that outside of the kingdom... There is no understanding, there is no experience of the salvation of God. That's why people think you're crazy. They think, you're going to church how many times a week? Or you go to church? I can't tell you how many times people said, how long are you in church? Did you go to church at 1 o'clock? You're home, you know, 2, 2.30? Two I said, no, I was at church at 10. 10? <laughs> they can't even relate to that. So... People outside here, see, they cannot understand the salvation of God. And even myself, I grew up in the church, not this church, but I grew up in the Catholic church. And when I was young, uh, we would go to church every day before school. So we would go over to the church, we'd sit down, and they would have a short a mass for 30 minutes. Then we would have communion or whatever. Then we would go over, uh, right next door was the school. We'd go into the school. So, you know, and I, I was Catholic till, you know, I got saved. <laughs> it sounds odd, but there you are. You're entangled with religion. And these people that are, are over here in the kingdom, you can't understand them. You can't, you can't perceive. See, because you, you can't see the kingdom... You can't enter the kingdom because you're over here. So whenever the, someone came to me with the gospel, and they, they preached from the Bible because I was Catholic, you know, I, I'm thinking, well, you know, I've heard some of these things, a few of them before. And whenever they said, well, would you want to receive Jesus Christ? My reply was, I got nothing against the guy. I'm Catholic. So I went ahead and knelt down and received Jesus Christ as my Savior, thinking that I already could see, I was already over here, thinking that, you know, I was Catholic, it's not going to make a bit of difference. But when I got up from the floor, immediately I knew something had changed, and within 30 minutes, I picked, wasn't even 30 minutes, I picked up a Bible that was there, and looked up a scripture, I couldn't even, I was so pathetic, I couldn't even look up the scripture correctly. They had a, there was a thing dealing with prophecy, I wanted to look up the scripture. And so I looked it up wrong, and I, was, I didn't understand what was going on, what have you. And the Lord spoke to my heart within 15, 20 minutes after I was saved. And I looked up this scripture, and the scripture said, Are you also yet without understanding? And I put my hands up near and said, Yes, Lord, I am. Why? See, because I was over here before, and I couldn't see, I couldn't enter, 
I had no inheritance in the kingdom of God. But once I went through the door, then I started to experience the salvation of God. And, and then things started to happen in my life. And so there must be in our heart, now that we're over here, all these other people, there's so many people that are on this side, they can't see, they can't enter. They don't know what's going on. But see, you know. You have experienced the kingdom. You have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. So, since we have tasted and we see that the Lord is good, what shall we do? See, we are to seek first the kingdom of God. We are to direct our hearts toward Him so that this progressive process in the kingdom will continue in our life. See, it doesn't necessarily mean because we're a Christian that we are going to experience certain things in the kingdom. That doesn't mean that. See, there must be a heart attitude or a heart set toward the Lord and seeking Him, seeking the kingdom, and wanting the Lord to work in our lives and in our hearts. That is the only way we are going to inherit certain things in the kingdom. We're going to come into certain things. We're going to experience the salvation of God over here because of our heart and our desire for Him. So the Christian that doesn't have that, and I've seen enough of them, they end up right around here, right, right around the beginning. And it doesn't matter if they've been a Christian for 20 or 30 years. See, this is... This is not, the kingdom is not related to time. It is a spiritual realm. So a person can remain right over here for 30 years, 20 years. And that's all they know and see is right here. They haven't experienced certain things because th there is a lack of interest in their life. They're, they're just, they're saved. They're going to heaven, yes. But as far as coming into certain things to inherit and to have the salvation of God in their life where, the, where they're experiencing his life to a greater degree. I mean, that's, that's different. That's different. That's why in John 10, 9, you see the two doors. One is the main entrance here, and, and then we enter in. But now the increase, the feeding, uh, and all that, the growth, see, that's going to occur as we go through this other area. That's what happens. So the kingdom has a future and a present aspect to it. Now, let's turn to Psalm 103. Or no, go to Daniel 4. Now, this area here is, as I said, is a vast area that encompasses certain things. For example, the rule of God or the reign of God in the universe. See, that's, that's, the universe is his kingdom, part of it. Heaven. Heaven is part of the kingdom. There's a scripture here I want to look at in a minute where it says that heaven and earth, I think this is it, heaven and earth is his kingdom. In Psalm 103, you don't have to turn there, 19. The Lord has established his throne in heaven 
and his kingdom rules over all. In Daniel, Daniel 4, let me see here. There was another verse I wanted to look at. Oh, verse 17. And this is dealing with Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar was very proud. He built this kingdom, this earthly kingdom, and he was walking around very proud. And at one point in here, he, comes, he, he walks out and he looks. He says, look at the great thing which my hand has created here and made, speaking of his kingdom. And so the Lord is going to bring him down. In verse 17, it says, This decision is by decree of the watchers and the sentence by the word of the holy ones in order that the living may know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men. Now see, this is not understood by most. This is not understood. That the Most High rules in the kingdom of men and he gives it to whoever he will. Excuse me. And sets over it the lowest of men. And that means the basis of men, not the nicest of men. The Lord will take the basis of men for a time and he will set them in a position of ruling a vast kingdom like Nebuchadnezzar. In verse 25. So this is pronounced to Nebuchadnezzar that because he is high and lifted up, The Lord is going to take him, he's going to take his kingdom from him, he's going to drive him out until he understands something. Verse 25, they shall drive you from men, speaking of Nebuchadnezzar, your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and they shall make you eat grass like oxen. They shall wet you with the dew of heaven, and seven times shall pass over you, Till you know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whoever he chooses. Verse 34. And at the end of, of the time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven, and my understanding returned to me, and I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation. So he's seeing that the Lord reigns and he's seeing that his kingdom goes from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. He does according to his will in the armies of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. No one can resist his hand or say to him, what have you done? This kingdom that Nebuchadnezzar was talking about and Daniel is that the Lord rules in heaven and in earth. And that's hard for some people. And even sometimes when we see things, it's hard for us to believe that God is in control, that he is ruling. As awful as some leaders have been, for example, Nebuchadnezzar and others in the Bible, it's hard to believe that the Lord set them up in that position. But that's what the Bible says. And then another aspect or area of the, of the kingdom is his rule over men who are surrendered. Now, that's what we're dealing with here, that area. Remember Jesus said the, um, the religious rulers came, came to him and he was talking to them. And, of course, 
They didn't understand what he said. He said, the kingdom of God is within you. So he's talking about the kingdom presently here. See, the kingdom of God is within you. See, something's going on in your life. Let's put it this way. As I said, salvation is contained in the kingdom area. So now, since you have come to Christ, you you have been brought into this kingdom area, and now that kingdom is operating in your life to change you. And because it's operating in your life to change you, Jesus said, well, the kingdom of God is within you. It's not just, you know, here. It's also moving in your heart and your life. Jesus said another thing here. He says, if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, because that's what they accuse him of, surely the kingdom of God has come unto you. So Jesus, again, was doing things. He would say, I only do what I see the Father doing. So Jesus says, I'm looking at the Father, and I'm only doing what the Father is doing. And by doing that, he was displaying before them the kingdom and the kingdom realm and kingdom principles which Jesus taught about continually. And that's where I wanted to go, and we'll do this next week. In Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. 1 Corinthians 4, verse 20. For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. Now, let me talk about this for a minute. Jesus did many wonderful works, many miracles. And the kingdom of God was in power. And that's how most Christians see it. And, of course, that's true. We can see that in the Gospels. But also... The kingdom of God is not in word, but in power when it comes to us in our lives personally. And what I mean by that is, it will take the power of God to change something in your life that shouldn't be there. Something that, because we were born with a carnal, sinful nature... That thing is a residue of our old nature, and it's still there in our life, and it may pop up now and then and cause you some problem. Maybe you have this envious nature, and you see this person there, and oh, they've got a nice house and everything, and you envy them. Or you see this woman. And, you know, the one, she's so beautiful and you envy her beauty. Or guys, you know, the guy down the street got this 35-foot inboard boat with his big mercury motors you know, in there. And you're envious because he has the time and he has the money to go and do whatever. And so this has always been in your heart. Maybe when you were a kid, you would envy this person or that person. They had this or they had that. And you became a Christian, and you know that being envious like that isn't right, but the residual 
of that is still there in your, in your spirit. So now, you have no control over that. You may pray and say, Lord, I want this out of my heart and life. But just to find out that it's still there. So now what? The kingdom of God is not in word. It is in power. And that power will come to you personally in your life and break that power of that particular thing, envy, in your life, and it will be totally taken care of, out, not to ever bother, bother you and trouble you again. So when Paul says here that the kingdom of God is in power, he's talking about the power as we see with miracles and things like that, but he's also, I believe it applies that it will take the power of the gospel to do things within us that nothing else could do. Nothing else can take these things out of our heart. It doesn't matter the people out here, and they go to church and they're, they're involved with, with religion. They can go to church 50 times a month. They can burn candles. They can go to door to door. They can do all these things, but still the residuals, well, they have, that nature is still there. There is no hope for any deliverance from that. But see, because you are in the kingdom, now you have a tremendous advantage because now the kingdom of God is in power. And that power is enough to deliver you from sin and from these, these residual things in your nature that you had no control over. So this is a pretty wonderful thing. This is a pretty awesome thing. What we have available, sometimes I, I sit there and I think about where I was, you know, in religion before. And, you know, how I could have missed it if I wouldn't have responded to the gospel when I heard it. Uh, sometimes whenever you don't respond the first time, when you hear it the second, third, and fourth time, your heart becomes hardened. And that's happened with a lot of people. And I thank God that I responded to him when I first heard. Because I could have passed that up. And you know who knows what my life would have been like today. And so we have this tremendous advantage that we didn't have before. And many other people don't have. And my prayer is that we would not take for granted what the Lord has put before us so that we would direct our hearts toward the kingdom. We would direct our hearts toward him and allow him to bring us into areas that we at this particular time do not know and understand. And... Jim can attest to this, and I hear him say this many times, that, uh, you know, you will experience things that you didn't know exist, and that's the kingdom realm. There's things here that, that we don't move in and don't know, but as we walk on with him, we are to progress, and we are to come into certain things 
to where now the Lord is able to deal with us and do certain things in our lives to bring more of the salvation that he wants in you, more of his character, you know, all of what he wants to do. He, he wants to put that in you. And this is the area in which the salvation of God is contained and it operates here. So I pray that we would move on with God and allow him to do what he wants to do to bring us into more of his salvation.